from one islander to another, Isle of Wight Radio proudly presents John Hannam Meets. Errol, since we last met, actually, you've got some exciting news because you've sort of got a one-man show, haven't you? <laughs> I have indeed. I have indeed, John. Yeah, no, I'm very, very pleased to announce that I'll be coming to Off the Rails in Yarmouth. Uh, plays a little secret play. Well, it was not that secret, but it's certainly one that I didn't know existed. And, yeah, I'm delighted that I will be coming here on the 8th of September to do uh, a little one-man show with cellist, would you believe, so what will people expect? What can they expect? Um, not only the experience and the uniqueness of this place. I mean, this is why I've chosen here. Um, and it will be uh, an evening interspersed with obviously dining as well. Um, but it will be unique from the point of view of just being in such close proximity to a Broadway and West End star. <coughs> Such as myself. Stop <laughs> laughing. Um, <laughs> um, but it's, it'll be anecdotal. It'll be, you know, songs... Um, uh, that kind of represent my career so obviously there'll be music of the night and stars and a few other bits and pieces that have been you know familiar to the the jobs that I've done but also songs that have inspired me over the years but also songs that work really well when you just have a cello accompaniment rather than piano or you know or orchestra you play Javert quite a few times, haven't you? Just a couple, <laughs> uh, nearly 2,000 times, Amazing. actually. Um, yeah, and that has been an extraordinary chapter in my life, you know, playing Javert at the Queen's Theatre and then around the United Kingdom, Toronto, Macau, Manila, uh, Singapore. I can't even remember. I've been so many places. And, of course, I did two stints on Broadway. Quite amazing, isn't it? It is quite amazing, and it's... And when you kind of look back on, the, you know, my, my, my chapter as custodian uh, of that role, you do realise just how lucky I've, I've been with that musical and celebrating the 25th anniversary as we did at the O2 and, um, and celebrating another chapter that's, that's just about to happen now as well. Tell us about the new show. Well, yeah, it's... Um, so as I'm sure many people know, the original has now come to an end. It closed at the Queen's Theatre... Um, uh, a few weekends ago and uh, it will reopen uh, latter part of this year theatre will be renamed it will be changed to the Sondheim Theatre um, but between now and then uh, Les Miserables jumps two doors down to the Gilgood Theatre where they are doing this all-star staged concert version uh, of Les Miserables with um, Alfie Beau as Jean Valjean Michael Ball playing Javert, not me, um, but I'm being invited back as an alumni to, to be one of the featured kind of characters in, in the ensemble, which would be great. I mean, it'll be such a wonderful chapter as well to be involved with, and it takes us up to the end of November. And then next year? Well, it's a little empty at the moment, um, but I'm hoping that'll change. But I'm very, very fortunate to have had an opportunity presented to us, uh, or my company anyway, with an invitation uh, for Three Phantoms. That show actually began on the Isle of Wight. It did indeed, in 2009. Uh, I think it was October the 24th or something like that. 2009 at the Medina Theatre. And it was, I mean, it was... It was uh, an idea pretty much put to me by John Owen Jones, um, who obviously John and I did uh, Javert and 
Valjean, respectively, uh, on the new 25th anniversary production. And John came to me and said, oh, I've got an idea for sure. Uh, that was a <laughs> terrible Welsh accent. But, um, <laughs> and yet, so, um, and that's, I mean, it's been an extraordinary little um, event for me. And it's been all around the world. Um, we even played a, a season in Macau. And yeah, it's been around Scandinavia, it's done three UK tours, and, and up and down. Yeah. You've got a great love for the Isle of Wight, haven't you? I have an extraordinary love for it, and it's, it is a bizarre one. And um, it's really, really weird because when, you know, being here for six years, you do go through, and I'm sure everyone does go in that, oh my God, I need to get off the island, get me off the island. The minute you get halfway across the, uh, the water, you're like, I want to go back, I want to go back. Um, I found myself coming back a few times now, and every time I come back, my want to return to the island grows and grows and grows. It is a unique place, um, and it's one that, yeah, I really do hope that I can find a way of being able to, to exist here very comfortably and, and without interfering too much with work. Your show is at Off the Rails, and yes. it was actually here that you had the idea of. Indeed, I was sat, so my partner and I... Um, she brought me over for the weekend, uh, for my birthday weekend, and we were sat here because it's the only place what we, we could find at that early in the morning that did vegan breakfasts. <laughs> so we were sat here um, and just loving it. The sun was shining, the doors were open, and it was just beautiful. But I was sat here looking at the chap who kind of runs, runs this establishment, and I'm thinking, I said to Sam, I know him. I know, I'm sure I know him. So I went up to Philippe, who, who he does run the, the place. And I said, I'm ever so sorry, but I said, I think I know you, don't I? He said, yes, you do, Earl, but it's okay. you know. <laughs> and then he reminded me, because he used to work in uh, Olivia um, in the High Street and Ride, where I used to go to. And of course, Philippe used to work for Robert Stigwood. And, and so, and all of a sudden, we were like, oh my God. And then I realized they do some great little events here, kind of through the, the autumn months. And I said, well, look, do you think an evening of me singing songs in the shows would go around? He was like, yes, you're booked. Come here and do this. Um, and, it's, and it'll be great. And, it's, and I think the combination of, as, as well of, of some great food, unique venue, and, you know, and again, having the opportunity for me to be able to sing you know, people's favourite tunes from musicals, uh, I think would be I think a great evening. You sing in between the courses. I do, yeah. <laughs> I don't wait, though. I'm not taking anyone's <laughs> orders or drinks orders, unless they're short of staff. <laughs> Just before you go, I know you had relatives on the Isle of Wight in the West White. Indeed, indeed. And my auntie and uncle, um, they had a little bakery and a confectionery store in Freshwater. Um, but I've since found out that my uncle, during the winter months, wasn't allowed to work in both. So he so Auntie Flory used to kick him out and said, well, you're not, well, you have to find yourself another, you know, another job, something else to do. And I didn't realise, but my dad told me that he used to look after the donkeys at Carisbrook, <laughs> which is that I just think is brilliant. And, you know, and again, that just makes my association with the island just that little bit more special. So, yeah. So you're very excited about performing it off the rails, aren't you? I am. Um, and it's just, again... Any excuse to come back to the island is brilliant, but one that, you know, I can actually do what I do here and give people, I suppose, just a little bit more access to to musical theatre. You know, we, we were discussing earlier that, um, you know, the, the, the experience of theatre tends to end when the curtain comes down and you don't have a lot of opportunity to kind of chat to those who are in it. So this this evening, I hope, bridges that. You know, it's it's about... And also there'll be 
potentially a Q and A as well. Should you ha- should you want to ask a, a, a musical <laughs> theatre performer some questions or, or, or and I hope things that have gone wrong. Most definitely, <laughs> because it is again, you know, obviously our our job is to to carry on regardless. But there are some corkers that I have been responsible for over the years and have had to deal with without the audience knowing. So I'm uh, I'm prepared to share those. Earl Carpenter, thanks for your time, as ever. John, it is an absolute pleasure, and thank you so much for yours. We've met in a few places over the years. Have we just? <laughs> Good luck with your show. That's very kind of you. Thank you, John. Hi, Jill Blaines. It's Nick Frisbee here saying John Hannam is a puppet. Grateful thanks to one of the nice guys of British show business, Earl Carpenter. By the way, during that interview, he was talking about his show, The Three Phantoms, and he disclosed a venue for uh, next year. Sadly, it hadn't been confirmed, so that has been taken out of this interview. All I can say is, shh, it's a long way away, it's in the Far East, and it's a very big country. I'm going to leave it there. Currently, he's appearing at the Gilgood Theatre London in the Les Miserables, the all-star stage concert version, until November the 20th. After the interview you heard today, I wondered, shall I go back and play a Hannam archive from 2009, when I first met Earl Carpenter at the Queen's Theatre in London, when he was in... Strangely enough, Les Miserables. Yes, I'm going. So we're back to 2009. Another Hannum Archive. I've waited a long time to say, Earl Carpenter, welcome to John Hannum Meets. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. And the, the exciting thing is, on Sunday, July 26th, at 7 o'clock, Les Miserables, the London cast, in concert. Absolutely. Marvellous. This is great for the Isle of Wight. It's, it, yeah, and I, think, and I think that's the best way of labelling it, actually. It's, um, I mean, I do a lot of work with the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra. Um, and they do a lot of concerts and have been servicing, I suppose, Osborne House and the audiences of Isle of Wight for a number of years. And um, this will be my fifth, uh, I suppose, instigated production of Les Miserables in concert with the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra, but obviously the first time that we've done it on the island and I suppose the first time that a a West End show of this magnitude has ever come to the island. Um, And I, I just think... You know, I think the combination of the the venue, um, that as well, from the point of view of it being, you know, a stunning, stunning place, I think will make a fantastic evening. The exciting thing also is that I'm at the Queen's Theatre in London, where the show is running at the moment, and you're playing uh, Javert, aren't mm-hmm, you? Absolutely, and you're sat in my very small dressing room. <laughs> yes. It's nothing what you'd expect. It's certainly not the big grandeur, exciting things that everyone thinks that they're going to see when they come backstage at these old Victorian theatres. It's very dark, it's very dingy, it's very small, and I have to share my dressing room with the lovely Jimmy Johnston, which is, uh, he plays Tenardier. Yes. I think he's also known to one or two members of the uh, certainly is. families on, on the Isle of Wight as well. So, uh, so it's uh, yeah, very cramped, very warm, uh, especially as the uh, as we're sat here. Thankfully, on a cloudy day in London. Yes, um, but it's a, a lot cooler than it has been certainly two days ago. 
Well, I almost feel like a tourist. I've been sat in Trafalgar Square and then I wander up looking at all these wonderful theatres and then I see the sign which is London's longest-running musical, I think. I think it's actually the world's yeah. longest-running musical. It's 24 years old this October. Um, and it's, yeah, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. I had a, um, a, a, a cup of tea with a good friend of mine yesterday who was the original cassette really? of this production, Rebecca Kane. Uh, yeah, this, uh, she was the original cassette all the way back in the Barbican days. And uh, again, we just sat there going, oh my goodness, you know, it is 24 years old, 25 next year, and it's just extraordinary. She's coming to the Isle of Wight later this summer uh, to appear at Shanklin Theatre, singing songs in the West End. I didn't know that. I'll have a word with her. Yes. For not inviting me. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's some way after your particular concert. I think so. Fantastic. Southampton boy then, really, aren't you? Very much so. Born very and bred um, and had a lot of activities, I suppose, growing up as well through Southampton. Um, went to college in Poole, in Dorset. Mm. Did a lot of Amdrams, you know, Bournemouth, Poole and Southampton. Southampton, I think, as I explained to you before this interview, um, it was at the Mountbatten Theatre. was my very first public musical, Bugsy Malone, with, would you believe it, Amanda Holden. Um, so, yeah, and it's it's been lovely also to to sort of constantly keep coming back every now and then, you know, whether it be through concerts or coming to see friends or now I have a vested interest in coming to the Isle of Wight as I've now taken residency. Yes, you have. You've got a um, flat in Rye, I have think. a flat in Rye, which I is an absolute dream. And to have that contrast from working in London to be able to come and sit and see the sea every weekend is superb. I suppose when you were growing up in Southampton, they had a, a real football team then, didn't they? Oh, they had a, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, going to see this um, at the Dell, I remember, I thought, I mean, I, you know, I think I actually remember seeing Southampton um, versus Portsmouth. What a great match that was. <laughs> <laughs> don't remember actually the match <laughs> very much, but it's, yeah, no, um, a long time ago, a long time ago. Right, explain the uh, the concert version of Les Mis then, really. Basically, um, the 10, 10th anniversary, um, Cameron produced uh, the big sort of anniversary concert that was done at the Royal Abbott Hall, and that became the template for the concert version. So it is it's slightly different to the show version. It's a little shorter. Um, and there's obviously, there are visuals in the show that you just cannot do in the concert. Um, so it's, uh, and it works superbly uh, for, you know, a good, a good strong vocal company and obviously something like the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra. And it's just perfect. I mean, that score was written for an orchestra to play. To me, it almost seems like a, a Sunday school outing for you, your company, because you're coming <laughs> well, to the I seaside do, on, I do on a have day to off. Say, I mean, and that's sort of how I sold the idea to I'm them. sure you did, yeah. And um, they've all jumped at it, um, which is really exciting. I mean, it's, you know, it's a bit of a logistical nightmare of getting 33 people down from London to to do a concert and then get them back without completely destroying them for their Monday show. Um, But, yeah, no, they certainly jumped at the opportunity of getting on a coach, getting on a ferry, (laughs) wandering around the gardens, having a sing-song, and then going back on the coach that night, maybe with the odd (laughs) bottle of champagne (laughs) bestowed somewhere in the cabin. (laughs) I think it was 1996 when you first joined Les Miserables. Yeah, it was my first West End show. Um, It was a show that I took a number of years, you know, auditioning for to get into. Um, and I played the role of Corfrac, which was one of the students. And that actually, I mean, was sort of, I suppose, the start of a what has been 
touching wood, um, a, a phenomenal and very exciting career, which I'm, you know, again, uh, you sort of sit back and go, good grief, have I done that? And actually, where's the, where have the years gone? <laughs> one of the shows you actually did on tour was Sunset Boulevard, which is one of my favourite shows. And one of my, uh, well, someone I've known a long time, Faith Brown was in yeah, that. Absolutely. She was quite remarkable in that she was i mean it was i mean the tour was also quite remarkable from the point of view that it was you know the first tour that andrew had done of this piece um we came to the mayflower at mm. the southampton um yeah no and it was it was very very exciting and, and i think again you know they took a very big risk from you know um, employing someone like faith who no one knew had that type of you know a powerful voice and mm. it was it was ex- an extraordinary tour um you know it had its ups and downs as all tours do yes um but it i think from from our point of view and certainly when we were all on it i mean i thought faith was a sublime norman desmond and you know it was a i look back on it fondly john hannam host of british radio's longest running non-stop chat show this is your life in a few weeks' time, you're actually doing uh, a workshop, which is already sold out, I think. Has it? Oh, good grief. Okay. Um, oh, good grief. I best, <laughs> I best work something yes. else then. <laughs> no, I mean, the Mayflower, they, they've, they've introduced this masterclass, um, I suppose, series, um, which is, I think is a great idea where, you know, uh, people can come and learn from people who are active within the profession and, and, and understand that it is a million miles from what you see on television from the point of view of all these reality TVs. Mm. And, you know, the, the the premise of doing eight shows a week, however many weeks a year, I mean, that, that requires a completely different discipline. Um, and, and one of which I think a lot of people don't understand. Um, mm. You know, and there is something about singing eight shows and big shows, um, you know, on a weekly basis. And uh, I'm hoping that certainly through the intention of what my um, masterclass, which will be predominantly based around Les Miserables, but it, it is that understanding of, you know, it's about being realistic as well. Can I ask you, Willie, you brought up about reality, and I watch reality shows sometimes, and I see singers who are very sort of mundane amateur singers, and they win, they get great adulation, and then I go and see so many touring productions and West End shows, and you see stunning singers not on brilliant money uh, uh, and uh, it all seems a bit unfair to me is it unfair i don't know i mean it, it really uh, you really have to look at it from the point of view that it's the the reality tv circuit i suppose is is a a huge commercial monster um you know and i don't think there's anything wrong in saying that you know the people behind these programs look about ratings uh, and look about making as much money as possible and i think a lot of people who as you say the amateur singers that you know come and do these things do get you know a very accelerated slice of fame it's not but it is short-lived mm. you know there's no mm. longevity in it um and i as you say you then go and see musicals of actors and stuff who you don't know but then that's that's why they make those shows good, and that's why the you know the amateur singers in the celebrity things that makes that good as well. Never the twain shall meet, I don't think, to a degree, because you know you do, and a producer will need someone who can do eight shows a week, mm. um, you know, and understand exactly what that means and the 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 ethics of that, the reality of that, and the realism of physically 
dragging yourself through those types of shows and and if you're on tour touring and the multitude of stuff that you know you these guys who get looked after on the tv programs have no understanding of they have introduced one or two obviously connie fisher won a particular show didn't she they, they have introduced one or two oh yes but then just Con- for pros. but then connie has um, she's been a working she's pro, been a working pro you know yeah. she uh, she she's been to theater school she understands mm. you know but again connie went through an accelerated um you know, um, avenue to fame, and, yes. and, and and you know that's it. That requires extraordinary amount of you know time, and you know you're battered around by PR companies, and you, you know your your days. I mean, you know, I know Lee Mead very well. We worked together on Phantom, and you know, Lee, bless his cottons. I mean, good grief. I mean, his daily schedules of PR interviews was relentless, relentless. And then at the end of that day, he was expected to go and do a show. And, you know, the fact that he didn't burn out, you know, uh, at all was absolutely commendable. But, I mean, you know, but again, Connie was thrust into this limelight. And, you know, you it's going to break at some point, but it's, you know, but, you know, she's she's done well to... To try and, you know, engineer what she can do as she does, you know, as often as she does. You mentioned Phantom. You played that over a thousand times. I did, yeah. yeah. Wearing that mask. Wow. No, it was, uh, again, that was a phenomenal experience. I mean, it was <laughs> it was the first cassette um, that my father brought me. Um, it was the first musical that I listened to. And I, and I suppose that was what was sort of my inspiration to get into musicals, because my training wasn't musicals. It was straight theatre. Um, so from that point of view, and to then end up playing the role, and, and especially an idol of mine, Michael Crawford, mm. um, who very kindly left a very nice message on my mirror in the dressing <laughs> room when he came back. The BBC did a, um, uh, sort of like a documentary on Phantom, and uh, Michael came back into the theatre, which was the first time he'd been in that theatre since he left in 86, 87. Mm. So that was, uh, yeah, and it's, it was a phenomenal two and a half years as... The Phantom. Mm. Uh, I was a year prior to that as walking cover Phantom, which which meant that my only responsibility was to understudy the Phantom. I wasn't in the show, but if the guy he was playing it was off, ill, on holiday, then I would step in and do what I could to uh, to fill his shoes. You created some roles, which is always good, like the Witches of Eastwick and Zorro and Beauty and the Beast. You were in original productions. I, wa- I was in original productions, and again, that's another. Uh, experience and reality that you know is extraordinary from the point of view of creating and originating uh, but good grief huge pressures you know in daily uh, constantly rehearsing changing things and it's a you know it's a it's a relentless process but yeah a very exciting one but you do grow very weary and very tired of the piece pretty much soon after it's opened and you you're sort of going you know well, what well, when do we finish when do we leave <laughs> yes You've worked with Laura Michelle Kelly? I have, yeah. She her first job was on Beauty and the Beast. Mm. And I was um I was standby Beast and Gaston. So and the, Laura and I played um Bell and Beast on a couple of occasions together, which was lovely and uh, and Laura and I stay in touch, you know, to this day and stuff like that, which is you know, been fantastic. But yeah, she's very. She comes from the island, and uh, I think she's nice. been a great inspiration. To, we've got so much talent on the island. There, are, and, and ironically, it's certainly since I've been ensconced in my little flat in Ryde, and certainly looking at, you know, a lot of the stuff that goes on there, you realise there's there is phenomenal opportunity, and it's certainly my activities in respect to my 
my production company that I look after. I think we've we've had one or two meetings now that I've been. I'm very interested in bringing more, you know, West End stuff to the island um, and fashion a venue or venues to to be able to facilitate that. Okay, let's meet the families. Oh, sorry, wrong show. I'm Les Dennis, but you're listening to John Hannah Meets. Coming towards the end of an interview with Earl Carpenter at the Queen's Theatre London, where he's starring as Javert in uh, Les Miserables, which comes to Osborne House on Sunday, July 26, 7pm, with a stunning concert version. So the concert stage is nothing new for you, is it? You no, think, I've, no. Been, I've been very, very fortunate to uh, have a phenomenal relationship with the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra. I mean, since 2002, we've basically been from my point of view, introducing musical theatre material into what is a predominantly classical um, programme. But it's it's worked exceptionally well, that relationship. And we've done various different musical concert versions. Um, but also the orchestra have been very kind enough to allow me to take control of certain concerts of theirs. Um, for, for a number of years I've been doing their Last Night at the Christmas Proms, um, dressed up as ridiculous things like a turkey or a Christmas pudding or things like that. Um, and I've hosted a number of their proms concerts as well, which has allowed me to be able to sing more sort of, I suppose, operatic style material, which has been exceptional. And uh, again, it's, you know, to be able to sing with such an enormous orchestra when we're used to nine or ten or eleven people in there in a pit in London. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a very exciting relationship and, and one I'm, I'm sure will, will last for a very long time. You also produce and direct, or don't you? I do, for my sins. Um, I, I'm very much a person that doesn't rely on my agent calling me or waiting for the phone to ring, I suppose. I've always been about... It's about longevity, um, you know, this, this industry, and mm. you will not... If you just want to wait for jobs to come in, they do not happen. Um, so I've always been... Since college, I suppose, um, I've always been, right, what can I do? What can we get together? What can we put on? Where can we do it? I've always been like that. I love that artistic process. I love that jigsaw, I suppose, of putting all the bits and pieces and seeing people who do what jobs and go, well, look, what about if you do this? And... Yeah, I've always been, and, I'm, and commercially, probably for the last six or seven years, been doing it um, in a, an adult fashion. So, you know, I'm actually running a, a company and doing stuff from, you know, conception through to all the way, you know, seeing it on stage. You've also been involved with a film called Yes, I think, haven't you? Oh, good grief. Yeah, no, um, literally at the end of Phantom, um, I'd changed agents, and I'd never been in film, I've never done telly, and my agent rang and said, I've got this very bizarre short film for you to do. Cannes Film nominated director Marco Puig, who's done a lot of big sort of, I suppose, docu-advert style um, presentations for things like Madonna and stuff like that. And he wanted to cut his teeth as a director. So he was getting together, I suppose, like his showreel. Um, I turned up for the casting and it was only going to be two people. Um... And it wasn't until I started reading the script, realised it was very obscure, very bizarre. And I was basically had to, uh, after I got the job, be had loads and loads of hair glued all over me. And uh, it was a phenomenal experience. Two days of filming and uh, just to understand a very different media to that of theatre. <laughs> I think you're doing a 25th anniversary British tour of Les Miserables. It's an international tour. Sorry, international no, tour. It's, um, <laughs> it's something that's, that literally has come to fruition in the last three or four weeks. Cameron McIntosh is producing a, yeah, as you say, a 25th 
anniversary tour. Predominantly, the first part of the tour is, is, is UK-based. It opens in Cardiff in December. And then we all the way up to May, and then we move to Paris for six weeks. And then after, there's loads of amazing venues around the world that's uh, being being booked as we speak. And the reason why I'm interested in doing it is the fact it's going to be a, a new design. A new design, a new look, new direction, predominantly the same music. Um, I think it would be too much of a shock if yes. for everybody who's loved this musical. For <laughs> yes, tell but me. you know, it's, it's, it is a phenomenal musical. But there has to come a point where you have to dust it off, you know, and make it a little bit more accessible to a different audience now to that of you know twenty five years ago. And this is what Cameron's doing, and the team that he's got on board is astounding and it's going to be a very very exciting project Earl currently playing uh, Javert in the London production thank you so much uh, for talking to me and wishing your career continued success then. John thank you very much indeed for your time thank you I'm Vanilla Fielding and whenever I can I listen to John Hannah meets <laughs> sadly since that interview was first aired back in 2009 the lovely Fenella Fielding has passed away. Happy memories of interviewing her. Today we've made history. It's the first time ever a brand new interview and an archive interview have been played on the same John Hannam meets. They both featured, of course, Earl Carpenter. It's great. He's got a swell personality, he meets and greets the stars with such amenity, good enough to make you coming out of the street, John Hannameet. That's right. You've been listening to John Hannameet's courtesy of Isle of Wight Radio. Don't forget to look at my website, johnhannam.com, for news of more interviews and how you might purchase my books. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.